0: Hello, it's Vikas Porta, chairman of the Vaki Foundation. You are listening to a session from our Global Education and Skills Forum, a place where leading politicians, businesses, philanthropists, activists, and of course the world's best teachers share, debate, and discover new ways for education to transform our world. Keep the global conversation going and share your thoughts on the topics discussed with the hashtag GESF.
1: So... Um, I was asked to actually share about my story, but, you know, I'm 42 years old, middle-aged woman, two kids. What's so special about my story? Um, So I wanted to share with you about the report that we just announced uh, two days ago called the DQ Global Standard. Uh, But before we go into that, I want to share, still, I want to share a little bit of my story, where I come from, why I did, why, do, why I believe this is important. Um, is there any Korean here? Yeah, great. So 2008, um, December, there was an eight years old girl who was raped at 8 a.m. on her way to go to school by a child porn addict. Her rape was horrible. In order to remove the evidence of rape, she sucked, she used a sock. So basically, her bottom was completely destroyed. It was just horrible, horrible story. And that was a time I became a mother. I was horrified. And I also have a girl. So I followed the story. And then, in the newspaper, at the time I was in Silicon Valley, and I saw the news of this photo. This is a photo that was drawn by this 8-year-old girl victim wishing his, his uh, raper got punished. And underneath this photo, I was really literally shocked in major newspaper. It was almost like near porn-like um, photo with the title of, I'm a 16-year-old girl. Inviting you to my bed So when I saw these two photos, side by side I, I, was, rel- I, I was thinking, it is not just about one child porn addict It is not just one child victim Something wrong about our information society And this is actually 10 years later I started my NGO called Infolution Zero, which is focusing on the children's cyber uh, protection. And then I move on to the education. And we did a lot of study. And this was a study that we published in 2018 with the World Economic Forum. This gives the evidence that it was not about the one kid. 58, 60, 56% of our children are exposed to at least cyber risk is 8 to 12 years old. Cyberbullying, game addiction, online sexual behavior, offline meeting with strangers. If you think about this, is not teenager, 8 to 12. You can see the consistency across the 30 countries. What's wrong? What's wrong in our digital world? More depressing, actually, finding is that we mapped out mobile penetration versus exposure to cyber risk this is only we call the ict emerging country that goes through rapid digital transformation thailand as many a philippines many aSEAN country you see that direct correlation between these two that means we think that we give the device to kids they will somehow get more educated no when we give a teeth, we give the risk if we put If we don't put the right education in the system, if we just put the technology in front of the kids, outcome is not that pretty. We don't see that direct correlation in so-called ICT advanced country. Because U.S., U.K., of course, they have a relatively, in average, 56% is not a small number but we didn't see that correlation because it, is, uh, it shows the importance of education system and social infrastructure systems has to be embedded. Is it, not, is it just a kids? No, we all see, we all concerned about fake news, deepfake, and tech addiction is not just about the kids. And another fear, that added fear, is about the AI automation, right? We all talk about AI will replace human, right? We are going to be obsolete. So what we actually see, there's a very interesting actually book by uh, Wendell, Professor Wendell in Wales, about the dangerous master. We call technology a master. But are they a master? Are we a slave? Technology is only meaningful when it enhances humanness, but what we observe as a trend is somehow the other way around, and we sense a lots of fear all around the world. I actually compared this situation in a Korea situation. In uh, 2014, there was a ferry incident. 300 high school students were in this ferry, and it was sunk one day golden time to rescue was 106 minutes. Is it short time? Yes, it's short time. But you know what? In order to get all these students out, it only takes five minutes. But since we lost this golden time, we lost 300 children. That's what happened. Is it just about the ferry? I don't think so. I think we are in that tipping point. We are in the golden time, right? Technology moved. Exponential growth. If you go to Silicon Valley, they push hard, hard, exponential growth. But what are we doing, education sector? Are we pushing hard, hard, exponential growth? No, we are responding in linear way. I've been in this conference in third times. So we are talking the same things. I'm sorry. Are we losing golden time? So we need to empower every child to become the master of technology. It's time for us to actually change our language. I really, really hate to hear whenever people say, we need to find a way for our children to compete against AI. What are we talking about? (laughs) Who are competing with whom, right? I have 10 years old boy and girl, I don't want them to compete against our own invention, right? Horse is faster than us, but we don't compete against horse. We ride horse. So we need to think about how to ride technology. What is a paradigm of thinking to say we are riding AI and all this technology? So that's where we come up with the digital intelligence. Digital intelligence, we need a new frame of intelligence. It's not just about competency. It's not just about the skill. If you want to look at the future, you have to look history. Right? What happened? Why all of a sudden we are so nervous, we are so fearful. And first and second was industry revolution, if you think about it before, people with the physical strength, we have to dig, we have to solve. These are the people who had a higher worth, physical skills were esteemed. If you think about what is human. We often say, body, mind, spirit, right? So the strength focus on body. After secondary industrial revolution, we don't need strong body because machine replaced is a physical lot of work. So that was a time that IQ was born because we need a knowledge worker who can work efficiently in factory. And that's when our school system was born. And fast forward. Third industrial revolution. Now we have computer, internet. And no longer people work for a factory, they go to city. We talk in internet, complexity goes. So now people say, hey, it's not just about smart kids. It is about kids who can relate. So that's interestingly EQ was born, because society need a new paradigm of education. Now we say fourth industrial revolution. And it is interesting. <laughs> the body got replaced by machine, and now mind get replaced by AI, right? AI will do the better doctor. AI will do the better lawyer. Our mind job got stolen. What's left? Body, mind, spirit. Spirit. What spirit? We don't know. Actually, I define spirit as some people say agency. Some people say passion. It is. Total principle that affects and influence a person. I think now we talk about digital skill, but it is such an important focus on values and characters in this fourth industrial revolution. That's the concept of digital intelligence. So digital intelligence, when I actually started this whole venture, I was thinking, I was very selfish. I was not like, trying to make a global standard on anything. I was just thinking, what is the thing I want to teach my son, right? Digital citizenship, safely, responsibly use technology. That's just life skill every kid has to have. It is not optional. Everybody needs to have. But when he knows how to live online, they need to know how to create. When they know how to create, they need to sell. They need to make an impact. So I actually have a three layer of maturity, citizenship, creativity, competitiveness. On what? Whole different dimension of our digital life. We're often thinking about just computational thinking, coding. Yes, very important. But that's just one part of digital life because digital life is not just about school, it's everywhere. We have to look at identity, use, safety, security, emotional intelligence, communication, literacy, and rights. So we have a very nice three by eight structure. And interestingly, I developed it for, for children, and I got a call in last year and say, I'm from IEEE, we wanted to create digital standard, a global standard for industry on digital skills. So you look at 100 literature and they like the DQ most. Can we use it for industry standard? Thank you. Why not? <laughs> yes, I was so happy. Yes, let's do that. But that's not, that's not enough. Because industry standard, industry standard is just halfway story. We need to ensure education community have to work together. So that's where we start the Coalition for Digital Intelligence. OECD well, is standing out for the government and education community. IEEE stands for the technology industry, and DK Institute as our topic expert, and World Economic Forum as a convener. Our whole purpose is let's set the norm and coordinate the global practice. Why? Because currently, we talk about this digital revolution and what to teach digital skill, everywhere I talk about it. But if I ask you what is a digital skill, you will have a different understanding that he has. If I ask a Portuguese government, they have a completely different idea in Singapore government. If I even within the Portuguese government, if I ask government official and Microsoft or whoever and telco, they have a completely understanding. When they don't have a common understanding, there is no innovation grown out. There's no scalability comes out. So, first thing we have to do is uh, we speak the common language, what it means to be digital skill and literacy. And we want to use DQ as a common framework. What do we want to do? We set up the common framework, and these giants will make it as an institutionalization, and WEF and all of us. Work together as a global coordination and we measure. We measure the impact. If we don't measure, we don't know where we are. Measure the impact is so important. Fantastic, isn't it? So what we have done is that we look at the leading college, leading actually framework all around the world. We identify 25 and we map the gains. So what we want to do is, we want all embracing comprehensive concept. Number one, we want it to be systematic so it can be adaptable. We don't want to be prescriptive. If um, Singapore government wants just one piece, please. So we, um, Microsoft, BT, they want to actually work on this area? Yes. And we have to be agile. Means we are talking about the moving target. Who cares about global standard if it is not adaptable? right? So every year, what we are going to do is that so we invite every one of you to be a co-partners to create the global standard. We actually accumulate the knowledge, we build a database, and we create together. So, I love this structure. We explain about eight area and three levels. And each competency will become also three components, knowledge, skills, attitude, and value, based on the OECD 2030 Future Learning Framework. And we are aligning this DQ framework to make sure that align with the sustainable development goal and future readiness. Now, it's time for us to work together. How can we work together? Let's co-create. Anybody who is interested to be part of it? Fantastic, fantastic. Who is not raising your hands? (laughs) How can we do this? I think, you know, why do we need a global standard? Because we want to impact everyone. We want to scale up. We want to go to inclusive DQ education for all. So in order to do that, let's unify the language, which is let's map your frameworks and your lesson to map against the DQ framework as a we as a net neutral and impartial platform. And then we coordinate and strengthen and share our best practices. And go to every kid, every individual around the world. And then we measure. So we are actually developing measurement tools to ensure that it can be approachable to everyone. Now, do we know about DQ? Uh, in US, DQ is a daily queen. In Philippines, it's a drama queen. So <laughs> what we want to do is a raise awareness of DQ. What we actually discuss in Davos is about let's have a DQ day. Let's raise awareness of importance, let's coordinate. So Actually pick the 10,10. October 10th. It's like a digital. So we are working together to tour to that. I want to stop my actually uh, lengthy discuss, um, explanation about the uh, DQ standard. Um, please, in Twitter, we have a handle, DQ for all. What? DQ for all. Yes, yeah. So please uh, follow DQ for alls. And then also make sure to check our new report. To see how it can be used in your setting and how we can work together. This is my contact information, and feel free to contact me at any time. Thank you very much. So I don't know what is the format. I was supposed to. I I I, sh- I should go out, or I should, <laughs> I should. I should get. I guess. Sure. Any question is welcome. Yes, please. Can you just explain a little bit, please, about the citizenship, creativity, and competition, sort of what's in there, what those mean? Sure. So how we actually construct it? so we identify the eight areas of digital life, right? Literacy is a straightforward. So use is about how you use it you know, in, in, in these three ways. So first, you need to understand about the balanced use of technology, which is included in digital citizenship, for instance. So that means you know how to self-control your screen time. So we picked, uh, for uh, OK, let me start in this way. So each one of them are the so digital citizenship. So, digital citizenship cover screen time management, the balanced use of technology, and behavior cyber risk management, which is like a cyberbullying management. And then, security-wise, it's a personal cybersecurity management, like password, two FA, multi FA, and uh, spam and others. Digital emotional intelligence is about the digital empathy we, empath- we actually focusing on. Communication-wise, what is the basis, which is digital footprint. They need to understand basic nature of online communications. And then literacy. First thing that we uh, are asking children to know is a media and information literacy. They need to actually know how to operate, search, discern the data and media. And the last thing about the digital rights, the first step is a privacy management. So what we try to address is that what is the holistic eight must have digital skill as a digital citizen to, for them to um, actively minimize the cyber risk and maximize the potential as an independent thinker. So that's how we construct it. Just likewise, we identify what is the A-skills in each area that related to creativity, which is how we can, one can enable uh, technology to create content, technology, and information. And then, lastly, about digital competitiveness is about the entrepreneurship, at job readiness, um, as a more of a workforce-related the um, the competency that we laid out. Hope this actually explained. Yep. Yes.
2: Hi. Oh, wow, that's loud. <coughs> Um, So thank you so much for this talk, I think this is the first time that I'm thinking about things within this framework. So I work at Moringa School in Nairobi, where we are dealing with a lot of young people and we're teaching them about software development, data science, and some of these concepts like, you know, digital empathy or digital footprint management sound like things that we should be including in our curriculum, we should be getting out there. I'm wondering, has any of this been translated into curriculum already? Is this something that is already deliverable to young people? Has it gone past this, uh, I guess, conceptual stage? Yes.
1: <laughs> we developed uh, for 8 to 12 years old, uh, target primary schools. We developed a, a holistic curriculum for the um, digital citizenship part. So curriculum-wise, it can be applied, applied to the other uh, age group, but what we created is uh, actually online platform that any child can self-learn about digital citizenship by themselves. So we use uh, animation and uh, gamified uh, learning uh, for them to learn by themselves. So what we do with the uh, World Economic Forum, we run the DQ Every Child as a social initiative for any child can use it. So your child in your country today, come to dqworld.net, he can actually uh, um, use it, the program for free.
2: Um, good afternoon. Yeah. First of all, thank you for sharing this vision. Um, I'm coming from Erasmus University in Rotterdam. And of course, coming from a university, first question is sort of, is there scientific research sort of to back the constituents of your model? That's the first question. And the second question is, what is your sort of plan of making it a standard? Like, what are the plan- things that you have planned for the coming maybe few months or even a year? and uh, if we as universities can help you on that, thank you.
1: Fantastic. Actually, uh, I I developed all this program from the NTU University in Singapore, Nanyang Technological University, together with the National Institute of Education. So all this actually education and framework was based on the research. So I can share the publication that we have, uh, but, uh, well, the DQ Every Child, especially the children program was highlighted in nature. Uh, a month uh, a few few months ago um, one of the things that we are very interested in is that if dq world education can change actually the children's behavior so we are uh, we have done a lot of research and looking at how we can measure even the dq uh, digital citizenship score that related to cyber risk so uh, what currently we have a uh, I think we have a largest data set related to children-like behavior. Uh, we, our data must be bigger than uh, UNICEF data. And uh, uh, what we s- found is that about after the education, 10% increment of DQ score, corresponding to 15% of decrement of cyber risk. So uh, we are going to build a database that can serve as a research tool for the university. So uh, we are going to We are not going to, we are building to a a University Alliance who is interested into this topic. You're welcome to talk to me after this. And related to your question about institutionalization, we already started with the IEEE process. So um, what we were told is that within two years, uh, it can be um, best practice and standard uh, for the industry when they're thinking about digital skills. So you may have to learn, in two years, <laughs> yep. Any other questions? Yep.
0: Please. Yeah. Uh, um I'm a big fan. I, I didn't know about you before, but after this presentation, I just uh, I really want to immerse myself in this. My name is Sean Robinson, and I'm uh, from Canada, and I teach science and digital literacy in Fantastic. a high school. Uh, we have a, a one-to-one program, Bring Your Own Technology, where students bring their own devices. And the first thing that we do is that we teach them about their digital footprint. We don't want them to bring a device and then just say, have at her. Uh, but my question is around, um, well, it seemed like that you were crowdsourcing a bit regarding creating this, this global standard. And do you find that, or do you think that as you receive more and more information that it might Become too unwieldy, so that's that's my first question. And the second question is, you know, can I get your book and uh, YouTube channel and all that kind of sure, stuff? Sure,
1: sure. Uh, thank you, thank you for your warm word. I, I like compliments. You actually made my day with uh, ego boosting. Yep. So. Uh, um, Related to your question about the crowdsourcing, there's always a danger about the crowdsourcing on that regard. But good thing to have the university and the research community to be part of it is that we are not just a crowdsourcing without filtering and moderation. We do the moderation. Um, and uh, we have a good expert groups to look after what to include, what not to include, how we redefine, how we reorchestrate it. So I, I but uh, concept is a concept. I wanted to have two actually different things. Concept is very interesting. It's a, it's a very intellectual uh, enriching exercise. But I'm more interested in implementation. So, when we define this, uh, this framework, so called, what to teach, next is how to teach. How to teach is, is really have to come from you. What we want to actually invite the teachers is that let's work together to figure out how to teach this uh, digital intelligence is most effective way. So I, I'd love to actually work with you on that regard. So one example is that we use the dqworld.net for the children. And then we made, you know, with the Singapore government support, we made it to all self-learning because one of the big hurdles for the digital citizenship education with the scale was the teacher education. Because teacher, we never actually received this training. So we made it into self-learning to bypass that the so-called bottleneck. But what we do is that teachers, you can use it without even thinking. But best outcome when teachers work together. There are many teachers who are so creative and then utilize the same content and then make it into their own pedagogy and their own methodology. And, and it actually gives the tremendous, tremendous difference in children's outcome. So what we want to create once we are going to do this with researchers and framework for holders, but we want to work with you on the how to do it, how to implement it. Thank you, and all this uh, information I will share with you later. Yeah.
2: Thank you. So um, I'm a convert. <laughs> Is this Alcoholics Anonymous? I'm not entirely sure. Uh, yeah, so, yeah. I'm a convert. We spoke a couple of days ago, and I'm completely committed to supporting this. And just to give you some context before I tell you something's going on, my name is Alan Greenberg. I used to work for a little company called Apple, and I built a product called Podcasting. And I can share with you that the work I did in 2005 and 2006 has over 10 billion downloads. So when I talk about scale, I can speak with a little experience. But I'd also point out to you the backstory to that is When that journey of podcasting started, none of us knew anything about it. I got told off by my comrades at Apple because podcasting had no revenue attached to it, and when you work for a commercial organization like Apple, it's about driving investment. So 10, 12, 13 years later, I can sit here proudly and talk about scale. What I recognize in this project is that same opportunity. And this opportunity is dependent on not this young lady, but you guys. What is really interesting is the way to facilitate this is actually with us. It's called blockchain. And blockchain is technology of a community where you own that content. Not the researchers, not the, the inventors, but you, the community, own that. And all you have to do is use it. Whether it's B2C, B2B, whether it's corporate, whether it's at foundation level, it's purely a matter of engagement. And then, again, you have today's social media. Well, back in 2005, 2006, social media was a very different game plan than it is today. So you have the distribution channel. You have the foundations of technology to achieve this objective. And all it needs is people to commit to this. So I committed 48 hours ago, I think.
1: (laughs) Yes. Yes, okay.
2: So I invite all of you to make similar commitments. Thank you.
1: Great, thank you.